Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 7.30 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. <laughs> Alright, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs> You're listening to the Never Heard of It podcast. A Night Shift Radio original. Every week we bring you the good, the bad, the weird, and lesser known streaming movies. Hit subscribe for new episodes every Thursday and Sunday. Well, that was a good one. That was, that was loud. It was a pretty solid one. I took down the uh, the foam that is on the wall facing me that I've been using to, to help soundproof. And I, I'm... I doubt it really comes through any different on the recordings, but like, um, you know, we left, we had our, our week long writer's retreat. It was amazing. Uh, yeah. we got a shit ton done. Uh, and then I came home and I stepped into my office. I'm like, wow, it is extra echoey in here now. <laughs> and I, like, I didn't notice it when I first took it down. In fact, like we, I think were on a call as I was taking them down. Like we were talking about something. I don't think we were recording, but like, I just was like fidgeting, taking them down. And I didn't notice a change at the time, probably because these headphones are like clamped around my ears. Uh, and then, you know, go away for a week, come back like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> hello, 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 hello. <laughs> um, but yeah, we 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 had a, a real busy, uh, busy week last week. Which, I know. Uh, so, you know, typically you're in St. Louis and uh -huh. I'm in Syracuse. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, we're, we're not only crossing time zones, but we're also, you know, uh, miles apart from each other, you know, trying to figure this out. But then yeah. all of last week, uh, well, uh, two weeks ago for all those people listening, yeah. um, but we were together in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And what, like, I... I really enjoyed that. That was that was a good time. The the town was was super super cute, very welcoming, very friendly. I personally felt uh, safer there than I have here at home for quite some time. And uh, also, it was just great to you know hang out. We like we really knocked out the the like a really solid draft of the Somnium feature. So for those of us those of you who've been following along and you know we made our short film that's in the the festival circus right now and we're working on the uh the feature length version of that. We are super, super happy with how this is coming along. Uh but also like had time to just knock out a couple complete outlines for like new stories to write. So like I just I feel energized about that. And uh we uh, we got to watch some some movies together. Uh, we'll be talking, or we will have talked uh, in our right, in tense. our bonus episode uh, a couple of days ago about the new Nicolas Cage and Nicholas Holt movie Renfield. Uh, Renfield. So you'll have to you'll have to check that episode out to to hear our reactions. Um, 
But if if for some reason you're listening to this out of order, spoiler, it was bonkers. <laughs> it was bonkers, man. What a bonkers movie. And I'm so glad we went and saw it together because uh, what what an experience. So, yeah, you know, uh, was, if you haven't listened to the last uh, Thursday's episode, listen, listen to Thursday's episode. Um, if, if this entices you to go listen to that episode, uh, it was one of the most fun theater experiences I've had since you and I went to see uh, Hurricane Heist. <laughs> Are you sh- I just remember being in the theater for Hurricane Heist and you and I laughing our asses off and the rest of the theater is dead silent. And then by the end of the movie, they just all joined everyone in. was just in on it. And they were just laughing at all of the ridiculous things, like the stupid, ridiculous things that happened in that movie. I just, and it was great. I feel like you can't go to a movie like that and just like sour face, cross your arms, like this has to be serious cinema. Like, no, fuck right. you. Have some fun. Like, why did, why did you pay to be here? <laughs> well, a plot of a movie where they do a heist in the middle of a hurricane. Like, there's no way you're like, this is Scorsese-level <laughs> filmmaking here. Like, this is, you but know, like, also, Oscar performances. What if it had been? Like, what if someone made the hurricane heist but made it, like, completely serious? Like, no, like, no fuckery at all. Like, this is, like, like the ultimate like perfectly planned and executed heist during like this like tense like really like high stakes moment and like it was just pure drama and like action like i would still watch that <laughs> i would love to see like take these scripts take like the scripts from the asylum movies right yeah. you know take like giant squid versus robo crocodile or something like that and then give it to like a steven spielberg and be like you have to make this movie exactly as the script it with this exact script just to see like is it the director or is it the writing like this is the perfect test like you take a garbage script and you hand it to a, you know arguably well, i mean objectively one of the best directors in the past you know 60 years and you say to them like, "Here, you make this movie, and it, it was it. Will it come out amazing? You know, maybe it does. You give it to like a James Cameron, right? Or like, uh, you know, uh, as you said, like a Scorsese or Wes Anderson. Like, see what they do with it. I now want so badly to like to do that as an exercise to write like a full on like schlock like disaster movie script." And then hand it to two different directors, hand it to like a, you know, an asylum, a Polonial Brothers, something like that and say, fuck it, go nuts, whatever you, whatever you want, anything goes, do this film. And then find a very serious, like diehard, like deep in the film world, like the well-known famous director and say like, make the best fucking movie of your life with this script. And just see what the two products is, and, and like and see what comes out, right? Yeah, I would like it would be amazing to compare them. Like you know it would be who, like 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 a planned version of when the the Schlock Studios do a ripoff of a serious movie. Yeah, you know who would do a really good job of being able to balance both the schlockiness and the seriousness and the drama. Edgar Wright. Uh, no, fucking James Gunn. Oh. <laughs> both of I, them. Right, but like you know, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, James, James Gunn, Gunn did that with Slither, yeah, you know? yeah, uh, shit. 
like he would be able to take one of those crappy asylum scripts and make it like make me cry at the end while cheering on the robo crocodile or something, you know? <laughs> like so like even more serious than like a like a Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla sort of thing. Like like the stakes are real in this film. Like people are gonna like like lives are going to be upended people are going to die and you are like just on the edge of your seat rooting for the hero to win versus just like everything is like explosions of blood and like bad sound editing and terrible dialogue <laughs> but it's the same movie but that's okay if they die because then they can just come back as wraiths ah. hey and that being said hello and welcome to the never heard of it podcast i'm your host michael fight and i am the ghost of sabrina buckets <laughs> so uh today we are talking about the movie necrotronic which up until like the the two days before we watched this movie i thought was necotronic and yeah. i thought it was about an electric cat which i mean that would have been a really interesting story and i kind of wish that it was um and i like you, you can definitely be forgiven for making that mistake because they spell necro instead of n-e-c-r-o like uh, like we're used to from the, I believe, Latin root. Yeah. Uh, it's N-E-K, uh, which, as you pointed out, Neko is cat in Japanese, right? Is Japanese? Yeah. yeah. Yep, N-E-K-O, cat. Want to make sure I get the language right. Mm. Uh, but, like, I mean, people, if you haven't already, just, like, quickly, like, IMDb, Google Image Search, something, like, Type in N-E-K-R-O-T-R-O-N-I-C and look at this fucking poster. <laughs> it's just it's, like, it's like Iron Man fighting Satan. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it is a wild. The thing about this movie is it has a lot of themes to it, right? Uh -huh, uh -huh. We have the whole theme of demons coming back from the dead and magic and stuff like that. But then on top of that, we have the whole idea of the internet and, you know, kind of Matrix-like uh, scenarios. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, it's Australian, which <laughs> is a theme in itself for yes. most movies really uh, that is. come out of Australia. Like, like movies from Australia and New Zealand, like... That is your main theme first. <laughs> and then everything else is like the, oh, and, you know, they also like, you know, rob a bank or something. But like, it's like, oh, they're from New Zealand. You're like, oh, got it. I understand. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. done. Uh, and so like this, this movie, like in its hour and 30-ish runtime, uh, really just was like a roller coaster ride for me uh, from thinking like, okay. Uh, like the moment someone opens their mouth, that's right, it's Australian. All right, this is going to be good. To like getting the overview of the basic plot and thinking like, I'm sorry, what? To like, okay, but like it's it's cheesy, it's terrible, but like it's got some polish. It looks really good. Uh, to about halfway through realizing that whatever you think of the quality of this movie, and we'll get into that, but no matter what you think of the, the quality of the execution of this film, in my personal opinion, this is a flawless, scene-for-scene, scene, uh, perfectly mapped-out template of a hero's journey story. Like, they do not miss a single beat along the way. And when I realized that, it was like I could call it. I could call the next scene or the next bit of dialogue because they were following a fucking template. And 
That might sound like I'm mocking them. And to an extent, I kind of am. But, like, it is such a perfect execution that I was in awe. (laughs) You know, and that's the thing, like, you know, we we were talking about this when we were watching the movie. But, um, you know, like, you could take this into a film school and show them this, you know, for the hero's journey. Be like, okay, look, here's the now. Now we're at reluctant hero. Uh-huh. Now, you know, we're at. Uh, I gotta stand up and do my thing. You know, like it, the faces are so like they're like overtly obvious that this is the exact scenario that's happening. That it's yeah. it's textbook. It is yeah. like it is exactly that. So you you can really like chunk out each piece of it and be like. Got it. So this is this part, like, and they're framed so well, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, in this movie is done to a fault mm-hmm. um, because it makes it uh, makes the movie too predictable, except for the one character they killed four times, yeah. um, which I was just like, how many times are we killing this person? That that did throw me because everything else was so perfect. Like, it, exactly like you said, you could study this. Uh, as like the perfect example of this type of story. And it it kind of feels like someone has spent like their entire life up until this point, like really honing and refining like everything, like the purest version of the hero's journey. And they're like, I'm going to make my movie. And they just, they fucking nailed it. Um, yeah. Regardless of if you watch this movie and think like this is a good movie or a bad movie, it is a flawlessly executed at what it attempts to do and that just like it continues to floor me i just i I can't say enough about like how impressed i was at that yeah uh yeah i mean it was really interesting the way they did it um you know so this movie was uh written and directed uh by claw roche turner and uh, uh, Claude Roche-Turner was the written by also the director. And then Tristan Roche-Turner uh, is the other writing credit on this um, uh, film. Quick correction, that is an I, not an L. So I think it's Kia. Oh, Kia. Sorry. Yeah. Bad eyes. That's uh, yeah. So uh, <laughs> It's really Kia. hard to see. Yeah. Uh, so Kia Roche-Turner. Um, and uh, uh, previously, they had done Wormwood, um, which is another, uh, you know, Australian thing. There's a series of uh, movies about it. But Wormwood's IMDb description is, a talented mechanic prepares to battle his way through hordes of flesh-eating monsters after his sister is kidnapped on the eve of a zombie apocalypse. There's so much going on in that description. I mean, like, the tagline Mad Max meets Dawn of the Dead sold me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much it, you know? I would absolutely uh, watch this. I mean, based on the poster alone and then like reading in the description, like absolutely. It's as a like a zombie apocalypse means fucking like, like Mad Max Fury Road sort of thing. Like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. So, uh, it also speaking, looks like it's probably brutal. Like, oh, yeah. In unsettling ways. Yeah. Uh, So speaking of IMDb descriptions, the IMDb description for Necrotronic reads, uh, a man discovers that he is part of a secret sect of magical beings who hunt down and destroy demons on the internet. (laughs) So that is the corniest thing I've ever heard. It is. It really is. Hunting down demons on the internet. Like, where are you going with this, buddy? And, And that's, you know, and that's the thing about this movie is, you know, there is... 
an immense amount of parallels between this and the movie Matrix, which again, the movie Matrix is the hero's journey as well. It very yep. much is the chosen one hero journey. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Neo finds out he's chosen, doesn't believe them, wakes up, has his training module, you know, uh, is like, I-, I can't do it. I'm not the one. And then in the end, turns out he is the one. Spoilers for the Matrix if you yeah. haven't seen it 24 years ago or whatever. <laughs> if you haven't seen the movie, from 1999 i don't know i'm sorry the late 1900s the late 1900s if if you're not up on your late 1900s cinema (laughs) (laughs) and uh, so the the thing about this uh movie that that gets me and this is the one where they do the hero's journey to a fault um is that Right off the bat, our uh, our main character, um, Howard. Uh, first off, you named your main character Howard. Um, that's, that's not a hero name, you know? Uh, maybe in Australia it is. Howard, Howard. Howard feels like a very heroic Australian name. That's probably accurate. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> accurate. But, uh, you know, the thing is about this movie is the main character on multiple occasions witnesses things firsthand that explain exactly what's going on. In fact, um, you know, his, his friend, uh, Rangi is, uh, playing a game, uh, about you, you find these necropod boxes that are attached to like phone poles. You, uh, hunt down ghosts that you can see in your phone. You tap on the ghost, you capture the ghost, things happen. So he already has a basic idea of what's happening in this app And then once it happens in real life and it physically happens to him, he gets like electrocuted by the, by the phone app. He now can see the ghosts. And then he's like, well, this isn't real. And it's like, dude, what? And then like, he finally sees like, you know, the first instance of seeing like, you know, the, the people getting possessed and like coming after him and getting blown up and they're all demons. And he's like, well, there's no way this is real. And it's like, my man, you are seeing like firsthand proof over and over and over again. Multiple people are confirming it for you. Your best friend dies. Rangi dies and comes Uh back as a ghost and you're still doubting everything. Like this is again where like the hero's journey is is done to an absurd level mm-hmm. because it's like it's now unbelievable. Like he's an unreasonable character instead of reluctant, he's unreasonable. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, so like, you know, every hero in the hero's journey has to be presented with a a group of people who are like fighting the good fight, but they need him uh and an advisor of sorts who's typically in an older like typically an older white man let's be honest most of the time in these stories uh and which in in this case we get uh a just um i'm not going to say spectacular i'm going to say uh expected performance from david wenham and i don't mean that to dunk on david wenham i just think like david wenham shows up and he is exactly david wenham and i love it i i love anytime i see him in a film i get excited because it's just that it's the voice for me like i still have flashbacks of watching uh deadliest warrior like who is deadliest <laughs> yeah so so for those of you who may be unfamiliar with the name david wenham was faramir in uh, the lord of the rings trilogy yep um he was uh i don't know if i can he's the narrator in 300 yeah, Dilios is his name in in three hundred. Yeah. Um, he was in, I believe, he was in Game of Thrones as well um, at some point. So, like, 
when you see him, but you know, more specifically, as you pointed out, when you hear his voice, you're gonna yes. be like, oh, yeah. right. Like I know, I know this, this person. You're uh-huh. like, I know uh-huh. this guy. This is exactly that guy. Yeah. Um, so David Wenham, and, and you know, as much as this is sort of a cameo appearance for David Wenham, as soon he he dies very early on in the film, and I'm like mm-hmm. This is really annoying. And we talked about this is very annoying because so he does the thing where he's like, you guys go escape. I'll hold them off. And it was so unnecessary. It was so unnecessary because there weren't like waves and waves or hordes of enemies coming at them. It was like one guy every so often and he would shoot them and then like nothing would happen for two minutes. And I'm like, all you're doing is jumping down a garbage chute. Like you could have made it down the garbage chute and closed the door and they just would have no idea where you went. It wasn't like you were fighting off the entire stormtrooper regime or something. It was the pointless sacrifice, which is in itself something of a trope. But like, usually when we see this, it's like, there is actually like a last stand moment. And like that person goes down, like truly fighting against impossible odds. And like, that as much as it's a it's a trope and it's been done to death, uh-huh, uh, it it works. It is a powerful moment, and like people love a good like heroic sacrifice moment. But this really wasn't a heroic sacrifice. It was a pointless one. Uh, like you said, like there was there was nothing for nothing stopping him from just following, like shooting the last uh, demon that tried to attack them, and then jumping down the chute with them and getting away, and like continuing this this training and this fight together. Uh, but instead, is like no, I I have to stay behind. Uh, of course, effectively separating from the the rest of the party. Uh, the, the reluctant heroes Molly and Torkel, played by Carolyn Ford and Tess Halbrick. Uh, just tiny little fun fact: Tess Halbrick is in a movie called "I Fucked a Mermaid and No One Believes Me." <laughs> I need to watch that movie. <laughs> That sounds fucking awesome. <laughs> That's an amazing title. Um, she looked vaguely familiar for me. Uh, to me, she I haven't did. seen her in anything specifically, but like she was in some of the like the newer Alien movies, the Alien Covenant uh, movie, and um, a couple of like related shorts. Uh, also, was like a bit part in the Wolverine. Uh, I saw that. Yeah. And she was actually in a Jackie Chan movie called uh, Bleeding Steel, which she just had like a no name uh, part in that one. So she was, you know, woman in black. Yeah. Um, Bleeding Steel was a was a weird movie for Jackie Chan to do because it was very high special effects and like about aliens and stuff. And he doesn't normally do well, hadn't normally done movies like that before. So it was really weird seeing him in that movie because I was like. But, like, you're known for, I mean, no, he's, like, you know, almost 70 right now. Yeah. Uh, but I was, like, you're known for doing your own stunts, and, like, this is all clearly green screen, so it kind of, like, loses the magic of Jackie Chan a yeah. little bit. But, again, he turns 69. Him and my mom are the same age. He turns 69 this year, so I understand why he's not doing his own stunts, right? Sure. Like, I get it. Sure. <laughs> like, there's no debate in my mind of, like, yes, he should not be doing his own stunts anymore. Yeah. Uh, so Tess Halbrick, she plays Torkel, who is kind of the more like brash bravado, like we got to get revenge sort of character. Uh, and she plays alongside Carolyn Ford as Molly, uh, kind of linking back to some of our previous conversations. Carolyn Ford was in Carnival Row. Um and oh shit some, that's where i recognize her from some people might also recognize her from once upon a time i didn't watch that ellen did i wonder if she recognized her but like ellen didn't watch the movie long enough and i don't blame her the very first time that uh one of the like 
the demons is kind of like tortured on screen. She's like, yeah, I don't need this. And went to bed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My, uh, uh, my, my, uh, kid's mom was watching that show and she was like, it's a lot more violent than I thought an ABC show would be. Oh, once upon a time. Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't, I mean, I, I tried to watch it, but like, I didn't really enjoy the premise, but like I sat down to try to watch a couple episodes with her and I was like, this is not for me. Yeah, it was a little too cringy for me. I remember watching it the first go around, like when it first came out, because I was like, yeah, this seems cool. Like dark fairy tales, you know, like all those sort of Disney story people. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm I'm down for this. Uh, and I watched the first episode and I was like, I am too old for this. So I am done. <laughs> like, <laughs> it definitely felt weird. Uh, uh. Yeah, uh, yeah. Co- uh, Carolyn Ford uh, was Sophie in uh, Carnival Rose. So for those of you who watched it, um, I recognized her, but didn't recognize her fully. And then now that I see that of who she was, who, who you know Sophie is, is a very main character um, in Carnival Row. I was like, oh shit, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, like now I recognize her. Just her, you know, hair is different, and when she's less matrixy. Um, uh-huh. yeah, you know, I realized though that, uh, um, uh, David Wendham's character dying led the way for Howard to have a little bit of a harem. And I'm sure that was intentional as well mm, because yeah. he's got not only his mom, uh, played by Monica Bellucci, but he's got Carolyn and, uh, Tess side by side. So it gives him a little bit of a, like, you know, a, a harem sort of, sort of feel for a film, which might've been intentional, but is Maybe. what ended up. Yeah, it, it was a little bit, a little bit strange. Um, so speaking of his mom, Howard's mom, so we have this whole subplot where, of course, Howard doesn't know his parents. They died when he was young, or they're out of the picture, or something like that. And then we learn that his parents were also in, involved in this. His father was killed, and his mother becomes essentially this like demonic cult leader and like is like actively working against the what are are known as necromancers in this film which is why we have the the necrotronic title um which was a little bit weird because traditionally necromancy involves like raising and like manipulating the dead and not really anything to do with shoving demons through the internet into people yeah uh yeah or um, like not not even no that's like that's the evil plot like the necromancers in this film kill the demons uh, yeah so like it's 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 a strange decision I wonder if necromancy means something different in Australia maybe maybe it's a little upside down over there yeah I mean it was definitely uh, it was definitely a weird balance uh, and like it, it it definitely was weird because it was kind of like oh wait necromancers are good in this okay because mm-hmm. typically you know. If you think like D and D, you come across a necromancer, you're like, oh fuck, yeah. necromancer. Yeah, you now know, you gotta like, fight. Now you gotta fight, right? And you're gonna be fighting against skeletons and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um uh, but this one it, it was not the case. So it was a little like, okay, like that's not what necromancy means. Kind of the the opposite, but yeah. all right, well, like I'll go with it for the sake of the film. Um, but it definitely felt a little uh felt a little off. Well, it's, it's interesting because I'm pretty sure, if I if I remember correctly, I've, I've referenced several times before the uh, the Old Kingdom series by Garth Nix, who I believe is Australian. I could be wrong about that, but like uh, that series involves necromancy in more of a traditional sense that that we would expect. Like it involves like 
villainous necromancers who like raise and manipulate the dead and then a type of heroic necromancer whose job is to like keep the dead dead um and so like there's a really interesting interplay there so i feel like as much as i joke that like maybe necromancy means something different in australia i don't think that's the case um but that brings us to uh really where the 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 conflict exists in this film uh as we mentioned there there are demons and um finnegan uh played by monica monica belushi who we learn is howard's mom is like the the queen of the demons essentially and it has <clears throat> figured out how to i Mm, this is where it gets a little money and I don't understand what's happening. Seemingly take people like humans who are possessed by demons and hook them up to machinery that like electrocutes them uh, when a, a sacrifice is made. So we see them like killing goats to like create the energy, the sacrifice energy that then takes the demon out of the human, shoves it into the internet, leaves the body like a charred court, like husk. And now the, the demon is free to like travel through uh, and inhabit people in the quote unquote real world through like phones and stuff like that. And so like, it's a little bit, maybe a little bit of a uh, cautionary tale about cell phone addiction. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it's just all a plot to dismantle 5G. Yeah, exactly. 5G gives you demons uh, through your phone. God, uh, but wish. then, as you said, there's the there's a the whole subplot of like people are playing this like Pokemon Go type game, trying to capture ghosts, only to like like find out that these these nodes that are around the city that generate the ghosts are actually being run by wraiths and powered by wraiths, and like are like the conduit for the demons to come it's this part is very muddy every everything about like the structure of the the film the hero's journey is perfect but the plot is so fucking muddy that i don't understand what happened i really don't yeah the the technical aspects of this film get really get really wonky and i think that was another that's another one of those like either you just have to be like um eh, whatever or um you have to kind of be like yeah, the, uh, you know, this the, this doesn't make you have to like think about it too hard mm-hmm. or you just sort of accept it as is. Uh, you know, that was one that I didn't really think about until after the movie. Yeah. When I was thinking about it later and I was like, wait, so what was the goal again? I'm not entirely sure what the main character was doing. Yeah. So like I was hung up on it for like the first half, but like once I, once I picked up on the the execution of the like the the primary storyline, uh, I kind of like I forgave the the plot and like moved like stopped really paying attention. But like going back and trying to think critically about it, I I don't know what Finnegan was trying to accomplish. I don't understand why it involved like apparently having to like graphically torture people to get demons onto the internet. Uh, I don't understand how the demons on the internet technology worked. I don't understand what the, the end goal was, if it was to just possess all of humanity or if it was to just to kill all the necromancers. Oh, that's the other thing we learn that uh, Finnegan has been hunting necromancers. And despite these necromancers being like powerful, magical uh, people who are like out there fighting demons, like that's what they do. Somehow she manages to kill all of them and shove their heads into these nodes uh, wired up and like they're what's powering them. But because necromancers are the only ones that can create wraiths. 
And that's which I I thought that's what they said, where that's why the necromancer heads are used is because she can use them to use their power to create a wraith to protect the node. Interesting. So I I don't know. I don't know. I'm just making it up. (laughs) Is that then is that why the uh, oh, one of the like there there are very few people of color in this film, uh, but one of the only ones in the the primary cast is uh, Rengi. It was uh, Howard's best friend who dies very early and comes back as a wraith, but in like comic relief form. And like I don't I don't know how to feel about that. Like I definitely I think worked better as a like as a wraith than as a as a human. But like I didn't I didn't want him to die. He was he was fun. He was. He was a likable sidekick. He was, because he just had this, like, everything's fun innocence to him, you know? Like, he's just a very simple person uh, mm-hmm. who, who found joy in, in very simple things. Mm-hmm. Um, I do agree that having him as a wraith was fun because it gave a lot of, like, supernatural comedic opportunities, like, where, he, you know, he can, like, go through walls and, like, mm-hmm. float in the air and stuff like that, and that gave him a lot more, like, physical uh, comedy aspects to it. Um Great character, uh, but you're right. Like it was, it was weird that he was the only real person of color in the movie, uh, and they killed him in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. But you know, this coming from Australia, uh, I don't really think twice about it because I don't think it holds the same context as it would say in a, in an American film. I don't know that it does. I, I, you like, think? I think. I think that it. I mean. Certain certain things are pretty uh, pretty universal in uh, predominantly white societies. Let's hmm. let's be honest with ourselves. And I'm not I'm not making accusations against the the writers or directors of this film. Um, but certain things are so pervasive and prevalent that you don't think about them. And yeah, the idea of like having a person of color be the goofy sidekick and or the first one to die are tropes in white cinema. I don't know if there are tropes in other country cinema, so I, I'm not saying that it is specifically something that white people do, but it is definitely something that white people do in cinema. <laughs> like, <laughs> Interesting. I mean, like the whole idea of like the black guy dies first in the horror film is like that exists as a joke for a reason because it it happens regularly <laughs> because it uh, actually happens a lot. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so uh, going back to Monica Bellucci real quick, you know, we we made a couple of parallels to The Matrix uh-huh. um, for this, and it's very interesting because uh, Monica Bellucci played Persephone in The Matrix. Um, yeah. She was the the wife to the French guy. The um, Merovingian. Merovingian, yeah. <laughs> uh, so she played Persephone in, in those movies, so that's where you might recognize her, which, again, it's a very interesting uh, connection being she was in The Matrix, and then this is a very Matrixy film with the whole mm-hmm. going through the internet thing. But also, you know, we talked about her being his mom. It also has a little bit of a Harry Potter story because yep. when he first hears the story, yes. he hears the story that him and his mom and his him, his mom and his dad were there. Mom and dad were famous, um, you know, necromancers. The demons come in, you know, kill his parents. He makes it away as like a little baby, gets you know, gets sent off and and you know, sent to foster homes, you know, a little less of a of a you know happy ending uh mm-hmm. than than what Harry Potter got. Um, although Listen, when Harry Potter first came out, loved it, right? It was magical. Mm -hmm. It was amazing. But the more I look back on it, separating J.K. Rowling from this part of the conversation, 
the more I look back on it, the more I'm like, this actually sucks. Mm -hmm. And there are so many plot holes Mm -hmm. that it's really bad. So very specifically, they tried to hide Harry Potter by putting him with his family. Yeah. And like none the of the Death Eaters just like went to look there first, right? Like, like let's check his family first. Th- this is like that's like police one hundred and one when you're looking for a suspect. You go and look at their family and friends. And be like, hey, do you know where so and so is? Known associates. Yeah, they would have gone to literally his only next of kin because we only see this family is the only other family he has. Mm-hmm. You know, legally aside from like Sirius Black, but you know Sirius Black is presumed in prison at the time. Mm-hmm. You know. Like, just go to the aunt and uncle, bam, kill them, kill Harry, movie's over. Like, book's over, done. Like, you know, a week after Voldemort dies. Terrible. But anyway, so there is that sort of plot in Necrotronic where his parents get killed. His dad even dies protecting him, which is a a, a reversal of, like, Harry Potter's mom dies protecting him. Like, it's, it's like, it is... It's shot for shot. It is exactly like the same type of hero's journey story. That, it is that Harry but, Potter tries to be. But the difference is uh, in this story, his mom is the Voldemort. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that's that's kind of the other thing. And it is like, and that's the other thing about this movie is that there are um, blatant homages. Let's be polite and say mm-hmm. to other movies. Like there are so many like just direct pulls from the matrix, like a lot, you know, as expected considering the subject matter, yeah. but like there are a lot of things that are like, this is a little too much like the matrix. This is a little too much like Harry Potter, mm-hmm. you know, like it became so much so that it was like, I get it. Like, you're very heavy-handed with this. I understand what you're pulling from and what you're trying to reference, but, like, you're doing it really blatantly, like, very auspiciously. (laughs) Yeah. So, something that you mentioned earlier that I want to revisit. So, we we talked about um, how Rangi dies fairly early, but it is after um, Rangi and Howard, who (laughs) we never mentioned, are, like, waste removal people. So, like, they're basically, like, sewage guys. Um, And they're on, like, a... They got fucked over and are on, like, a 24-hour shift or something like that. Uh, which is, pardon the pun, a real shitty job. Uh, hey. But, you know, they they meet Luther, Molly, and Torkel. Uh, Luther does his last stand thing, and then they get away. Uh, Rangi's killed shortly afterwards, but not until after, like, we see um, there's this, like, smoldering will-they-won't-they between Howard and Molly, and a little bit of a playful banter developing between Torkel and Rangi, and we're like, all right, these, like, they're coupling up pretty early here. It's a little bit. The the one in Molly is very small. Like, it's obvious because we know the story of the, we know the direction of the story. Like, it's a very blatant story. But, like, there aren't really moments where they... It's flirt. those like those smoldering looks. They don't flirt. They just like look at each other really hard, and <laughs> like it's in my hard mind's to die or whatever in my mind's eye or whatever. It's 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 hard to describe, but like if you watch it, you see like the way that they just like pause and stare at each other. Like okay, they're gonna fuck at some point, uh, which they don't on screen, but like we can we can assume that they do. Uh, but once once uh, Rangi dies, um, in my head I was like, okay, they set up. They set up uh, a romance between Rangi and Torkoal, uh, so they're probably going to kill Torkoal so that they can live together in the afterlife or something like that, because Rangi's back as a wraith now. Um, and to an extent, <clears throat> I was right. 
But I had no idea how far they would take it by just repeatedly bringing Torkel back and killing her again. And I'm just like, oh my God, let this woman rest. Yeah, that was that was the one thing that I, you know, each time it happened, because it does happen three times in the movie, and each time it happens, I was like, I was like, oh, okay, well, there, you know, obviously Torkel had to die. And then she comes back and I'm like, wait, what? And then she dies. It's like, okay, well, that time she's dead now. And then she comes back again. I'm like, what is happening in this movie? And the last like, time it's almost immediate. Like she comes back, yeah. does one thing, and is killed again. And I'm like, what yeah. the fuck? It was it, it was just beyond comical. Uh-huh. Um, you know, in the very end of this movie, uh, you know, Molly. Uh, there's, you know, that we have this very big checkoff gun uh, sort of item in their in their sort of layer. They oh, suck man. the demon into the layer. There's this giant laser that they're going to shoot them. You know, Molly, you know, goes to shoot with the laser, but she gets hit by the demon. The demon cuts her arm off. Uh, you know, so now Molly's seemingly dead or dying. Um, and then, you know, she jumps back up in the last minute and, you know, shoots the demon again. And, uh, you know, that's how uh, the, the demon dies. And, you know, now she's missing an arm, but, oh, wait, there was this other Chekhov's gun where there's, like, a 3D printer for people or something. And so, you know, he puts her in the 3D printer and reprints her arm, which is how they remade Torkoal after Torkoal died. They put her spirit in this 3D printer. They 3D Mm -hmm. print her out, and now she's all cool-looking. Like, she's got, like, you know, green skin and shit like that. And that's how they remake Torkoal again because her head gets ripped off. Yeah. And so they, like, staple her head back on and then put her through the three print, 3D so printer again weird. so she lives again. She's She staples weird. her own head back on. Oh, yeah, right. Which, like, let's be honest, Torkoal's a fucking badass. No. Um, I, she was one of my favorite characters. But, yeah, like, that was another one of the, like, really weird and, like, like kind of felt shoehorned moments where, like... They, they do the training montage, which again, like is expected in the hero's journey. And they go back to the, the lair and the training montage to help uh, Howard like develop his powers as he's supposed to take these soul boxes where they've trapped a demon's soul. And st- like, they don't just destroy that. Like they, they shoved the soul through this machinery into this pit of goo then like reprints a body for the demon and they kill that. And that just feels like, one, that's a lot of extra steps for killing a demon for these people who are supposed to be able to do it with magic instead of laser guns. Uh, And two, like, that's really setting yourself up for a potential of, like, something going horribly wrong. Yeah, I they never really explain why they can't just destroy the boxes. Mm -hmm. Um, Or why they trap the souls to begin with, why they don't just, like, why they're not just dispersed or something like that. Yeah, it, there was a lot of confusing aspects to that. There was another, and there's a whole other element to this that is very Ghostbusters esque mm-hmm. because they have ghost traps. Yeah, um, that they have to do. They have like their containment field. Like there mm-hmm. was a there was a big element from Ghostbusters in that as well. That was you know again very blatant. Like it was very obvious that they were referencing, uh, you know, Ghostbusters and the idea of capturing ghosts. Yeah, so like the whole like three D print the go the demon and kill it thing felt like it was only there so that later on when they like kill or maim the two women they can bring them back and like yeah. okay but what if you just didn't kill Torkel three times right right how would we just keep her alive because she's badass and good at her job yeah you know yeah exactly like, i think you know and that's the other thing too is like why didn't they bring the Ranky female- back 
Why didn't they bring Rangry back? Yeah, I guess maybe because he was converted to a wraith. This is where like lore building, you know, we we've talked about this many times on this podcast, but yeah. you you have to do one of two things. Either you keep it so simple that people never think twice about it, or you explain the fuck out of it so people understand exactly why they aren't doing the more obvious choice. Like, yep. you know, you capture the people in the box and be like, well, if we destroy the box, the ghost is just loose and it can inhabit anybody it wants. Okay, got it. Now I understand why you can't just kill the box. Yep. Great. One passing line, you know? But like you like with with an explanation like that, like that makes sense. But like, why does killing their original corporeal form not destroy the spirit, but like trapping the spirit, printing it in this new form, like does destroy it. Now we have this whole thing where like, you know, never let flame near the goo. Cause like this whole place will explode. Like, okay. So like, is it the reaction of like setting flame to the 3d printed body that like actively destroys the, the spirit? If so, like, Tell us that because that's really interesting that like they, they, they shove the spirit into this form that is more easily destructible in itself and it is destructible in a way that causes the destruction of the demon spirit. Cool. That's, that's weird, but it's interesting. Yeah, and it's an explanation, right? Mm -hmm. As long as you're given an explanation, no matter how outlandish it is, as long as you're given some sort of explanation to understanding the why behind the task, it doesn't become as like, because magic, idiot, you know, like movie magic, duh. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's, it's that sort of thing where it's like, Got it. It's it, because in this world, this sort of thing, you know, mm -hmm. and, and this is, you know, bringing it back to Harry Potter. This is the same sort of thing in Harry Potter where so many instances are like, but why are you doing it this way when magic exists? Like, why are you taking a train to Hogwarts when like people can just teleport or use mm -hmm. the flu network. Like why is, why are you doing this most mundane and like having to go through muggle society in order to get this magical train when you could just flat out teleport there? Like, I don't understand. I don't understand why, why you have to do like you, ex you gave me magic and then, and then now are doing everything in your power to not use it. And it just feels unnecessary and i mean uh, this is not a harry potter critique but it's slowly turning into one because on the flip side they use magic to do the most mundane tedious like normal people things in more complicated and often destructive ways right so it's like why not use magic for the practical things and then just do the uh, like do the fucking chores yeah you know, I, it, it feels very, yeah. I mean, it's one of those, like, it's convenient. It's convenient for the moment, mm -hmm. you know, in the plot. You know, Harry Potter is, is very known for that. Like, there's a new spell every book that's just very convenient for the plot of that book, but then we're yep. never going to use it again. Mm -hmm. um, it's very interesting. Uh, but anyway, so Necrotronic is screaming on uh, screening. It is on, screaming. On it is screaming. It is uh, uh, playing on Hulu in America as of time of recording this episode. So if you're the type of person that watches movies after we record them, that's where it is. But should you watch this movie? Uh, I'm a little torn because Molly and Torque are really cool. Like they're mm -hmm. just really badass characters. And even though Torque dies three times, every time she comes back, she's a little bit more badass. Mm -hmm. And it's almost worth it just to watch for them. And it's worth it just to watch the David uh, Wenham uh, parts. Um, I think 
Going into it, I think you have to keep in mind that it is going to be a little cringy. And if you're okay with that, it might be worth seeing some of the performances that you see. Um, you know, you you mentioned it earlier, like it looks cool. I think some of the special effects aren't great, um, yeah. but like they look cool in the context of the movie. Like they don't feel, you know, like we've seen movies where it's like, shot beautifully and then you see the special effects and you're like what the doctor who was a really great example yeah you know like you watch doctor who and you're like man this is shot very beautifully and the sets are well designed and stuff and then you see some of the special effects and you're like oh my god this is like paper <laughs> theater over here uh -huh. you know uh, well used to be the case i think new doctor who is not going to be like that yeah. uh, now that they have disney budget um but, you know, and that's, it's kind of, they feel, everything feels in line. I didn't think the sets looked great. I think they looked a little, like, painted cardboard for a lot of it. Hmm. Um, but I appreciated the effort that went into them because they were very complex. Uh, and they really set the mood very well. But they weren't great. Yeah. Um, I'm going to kind of to tackle that to a certain extent. I think, uh, like... Just on its surface, I would probably say not nah, give this one a pass, but I think it is worth watching just for the like study of genre in and of itself. I think like when you realize how how formulaic and how perfectly executed the like the the hero's journey storyline is in this, it is worth watching just to study and critique, even if the rest of it is maybe a take it or leave it sort of scenario. And I would say mostly leave it. Um, I didn't hate watching this movie. I didn't have a bad time. Um, but I can't really say that it was good and something that you should run out and watch immediately. Yeah. I think this is a, like, uh, there's really nothing on, you know, Friday night. I'll watch Necrotronic. I mean, and, and it also is one of those things that you can put on with a couple of friends and just like cackle about some of the more absurd moments. And like, I think, I think if I had watched this movie alone, I would probably have been more sour on it than I am. But because like we sat and watched it uh, like in a group together, like it was more interesting. It could be like, ah, see, they did the thing. Yeah. I, I think the most, the most fun part about this movie for me was doing that was pointing out the like, well, she's dead. Yep. Like, Oh no. And now he's gonna, he's gonna, you know, you know, you, you brought up the point of like, He's he's gonna try to do the cool power thing and not be able to do it, but on yep. the third time on he's gonna be able to time, do it, and then and he, he did. Fucking does it, and it was just like so like so predictable um, that it was almost fun, right? Mm -hmm, it was almost mm -hmm. fun of like here it comes, like he's gonna do the thing, you know, say the line, Bart. Like that's yeah. very much what it was like the whole the it, whole way. It got to the point where I was calling things and I'm just like like in my head begging, like prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. I I right. know exactly what's going to happen. Prove me wrong, and they never did. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So so there it is, everyone. If you know, let us know what you thought of Necrotronic. You can hit us up at Night Shift MG on both uh, Twitter and Instagram. You know, let us know what you thought. We would love to hear uh, your thoughts on Necrotronic. Um, so we've got one more movie uh, for the rest of this week. And I've already forgot. Oh, it's um, the Last Journey of Paul W. S. I don't remember, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the Last Journey of Paul W. S., which is another Hulu movie. Um, so it is uh, streaming on Hulu in America. So if you are the type of person that watches movies before we R Last w -R. Journey of Paul W. R. Paul W. R. 
Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, so that's, that's what to watch for next week. Uh, and then we'll be kicking into May and, uh, who knows what we'll do. We don't, and maybe, maybe you don't either, or maybe we're predictable like, uh, Necrotronic was. Oh. And that'll be the case. Uh, so, hey, thanks a lot for listening and, uh, everyone, we super appreciate it. If you haven't listened to our bonus episode last week about Renfield, make sure to check that out on either YouTube or on your podcast player of choice. And otherwise, you know the deal. Subscribe, share with friends, leave a rating, review, that whole thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. Thanks a lot for joining us, everyone. We will see you next time. Thumbs up.